Please open in your New Testament to Galatians chapter 5. We want to focus our attention on one verse, verse 13. You will recall that I have been preaching on the topic of serving. I've been taking a look at various passages along with you on the aspect of serving other people, serving God by serving others, serving God by serving other people. And serving other people uh, happens in various venues. Uh, A home, of course, would be probably the most important one. But also in the church. But also outside of the church. Serving other people. Outside of these walls. Uh, Certainly we need servants in the household of God. Uh, There's There's an adage that says that in most churches, um, a small percentage, uh, 7% of people will do 70% of the work. And there's some truth to that. I don't know that that's the case here. But, But whatever church you go to, you'll find that there's things that need to be done and there's not enough volunteers. When I was sitting under Lee Strobel's teaching, it was a church of about 5,000 people. And um, and one day they published a list of different positions that needed to be filled in the church. Now, mind you, 5,000 people, and the list was 500 positions still open. 500 positions in that church. Um, and no matter where you go, you find that there's things that need to be done, and, and it's only going to get done by people who are willing to serve. Uh, but that's here in the church. We also have to take this mentality of serving God by serving others outside of these walls. And be people who serve, who give of ourselves, who even give sacrificially in order to be uh, good to that person in need. In order to do right by whoever is in need. And some people do that very naturally, and for others, it's more calculated. They have to think it over. Well, we're going to talk about that this morning as we look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Take a look at how it reads. It says there, verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Again, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Uh, This is a very important principle, but one that's, I think, rarely said. Or at least it's not said often enough. Through love serve one another. Why is it not often said? Because it's a very difficult principle. Not only is it calling for us to serve others, but to do it through love. That can be very difficult. And in all reality, we preachers tend to avoid things that don't sit well in your stomach or on your on your own mind. And, and if you don't want to hear it, we often think twice of whether or not we're going to say it. And yet it is a part of the word of God. And certainly I cannot keep from speaking it. 
it would be not only wrong before God, but it would be wrong to you if I did not speak of even those hard topics in the scriptures. Through love, serve one another. But notice here that Christians are obligated to each other. There is another difficult truth for us to stomach. Christians are obligated to one another. It's not a truth that we often care to hear. But you'll notice if you stay in that same chapter and move back to verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1, look at how it reads there. It says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And in that very first verse, you see why Christ has set us free. The purpose of the freedom he has given to us. He has made you free so that you would be free. (laughs) Makes good sense, doesn't it? What is freedom? Well, freedom is the power or the right to act, to speak, to think as one wants to without undue hindrance or restraint. Undue hindrance or restraint. Be careful that you do not equate freedom with anarchy. Freedom has restraints. Freedom here is not lawlessness. It is not saying do as you please, but rather you're freed by God in order to be free, and there are now going to be a border, a hedge around your freedom. And so Paul writes to the church there in Galatia, he says, stand firm. Stand firm means that now you remain standing and you fight, 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 fight. And you persevere. Of course, the opposite of not standing firm would be to fall and perish. And Paul says that if you go back to this system of rules upon rules, that if you go back to a system in which you say, look at me, Jesus, I do all the right things, more so than the person next to me. If you become legalistic in that sense, you're actually not being freed. You're actually putting yourself back into a bondage, the yoke of slavery. You know what a yoke is, right? A a yoke was a very heavy farming tool which the farmer would take and put usually on the oxen or maybe even a horse and it would force two oxen to walk alongside of each other. Even if one did not want to go, it had to because the other was going that way. And of course the farmer would manage them. It says that if you're trying to live the life because you're a rule keeper, live the Christian life as one who keeps all the rules of God, you're just putting yourself under a bondage, a new slavery all over again. It says that's not why I saved your soul. I saved your soul so that you would be free. And yet in that freedom there are boundaries, there are restraints. Living a life of rules upon rules in order to be saved is equated here to falling and perishing and slavery. My friends, rule keeping for your salvation is a burden that brings you great harm and eventual failure. 
God knows that you cannot keep all the rules. That doesn't mean you don't try. It means you don't try to win God's favor by keeping rules. But rather know your identity as we were just watching a few moments ago. Child of God, you are the child of God. Just as you are. But if you are the child of God, then Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 is for you. Our freedom is expressed, at least in part, within the body of Jesus Christ, the church. He has made you free for what reason? In order that you would be free. And that freedom is expressed within the body of Jesus Christ. Use then your freedom as an opportunity for other people, for one another. Now that does tend to go against our concept of freedom, doesn't it? Use your freedom on behalf of others. When we think of freedom, we think of, well, this is my liberty, my autonomy, my pleasure, my pursuit of happiness. But here, the scriptures redirect our freedom. And he says here that the purpose for why God has made us free, why he has granted us freedom, is for others, not for yourself. And in my opinion, this is revolutionizing. It says here, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity to be self-indulgent. God did not make you free just for yourself. You were already serving yourself, remember? Before he made you free, it was all about you. <laughs> Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3, 2, he says, maybe you remember these days. He says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy and now he has made you free why? so that you would not be bound to the addictions of sin that's true he has made you free so that you would not be chained to the consequences of sin he's made you free so that you would not be stamped as condemned but look according to chapter 5 verse 13 of Galatians he has also made you free so that you can serve other people You cannot serve God properly, truly, until he has made you free, until you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ himself said in John 8 that the truth will set you free. You need his truth. So God makes you free. And in making you free, he enables you then to be an assistant, a servant to others. And the same verse lays out for us the principle that allows you to properly, properly serve other people. Look there once again at that verse. Love is what should motivate us to serve one another. How should you serve other people? Well, you should be motivated by love. Verse 13, but through love serve one another. 
I do think that there are easier ways to serve people, other people. Uh, for example, you can serve somebody very mechanically. This is what I do. It's like watching the German team play soccer. Pop, 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 go. It's like a machine. No beauty to it, but it works. You could serve others dutifully as well. This is the threat for every pastor. This is what I'm expected to do. Serve others. It's my duty. Parents could do this as well. It's my duty. You can serve people monetarily. This is what I'm paid to do. You're serving because you're getting paid. That's the doorman on Park Avenue. With a smile, he'll open the door because he's being paid to do it. You can serve people artificially. This is what makes me look good when I do what I do. Artificially. We've all come across that person. You can also serve people selfishly. This is what makes me feel good when I do. I love serving people because I feel good about myself when I serve people. So I'm not concerned for you, I'm concerned for myself. You just happen to benefit from it. But that's not what the Bible says here. The Bible does not say simply serve. It says serve one another through love. And the word there for love is the Greek word agape. Agape is a particular kind of love. It is certainly a greater love than brotherly love. It is greater than the parental protective love. It is certainly greater than the erotic love which drives our entertainment world. It is agape love, the highest caliber of love, a sacrificial love, a love that keeps loving even when it's not loved back. It's the kind of love that God has for us. And we are to display this love to others. Here we are being told, through agape, serve one another. One writer notes that service to others is common, but the principle of agape is often missing. Would you agree? We often do serve others. But we often don't serve others through or out of love. Service is common. Love is lacking. It's not always easy to combine the two, right? Service and love. Would you agree? Sometimes it's very hard to combine the two. I can love and I can serve, but to serve in love, that could be rather difficult. But let me suggest something to you. Think about it this week. The greatest impediment to serving in love is not the person we are serving. But I must admit, some people make it very difficult to serve them. Because it's very difficult to love them. I sometimes think people go out of their way to be unlovable. But that's not the greatest problem. The problem is not that they're so unlovable. The greatest impediment to serving people through love is our own hearts. It's our own hearts. Often we serve out of personal gain. 
We let others know that we're serving. Sometimes very openly, sometimes very subtly. We want people to know. And we want people to somehow applaud us. Maybe with a pat on the back, maybe with just a firm nod of confirmation. Boy, do I want to be like you. We want to ingratiate ourselves, so we very subtly let them know. And that's because we simply want to gain something from it. I'm a servant, and I want you to know it, and I want you to like me because of it. I want you to be proud of me. I want you to want to be like me. Keep in mind what Jesus Christ says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 3. This is what he writes. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4. So that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Often, however, we do not want to wait for our father to reward us. We do not want to wait till later. We want the reward now. And we don't necessarily want the reward reward from our father. We want the reward from each other. We want fellow friends, family, people we are rubbing elbows with to reward us. We don't value God's reward as much because there's nothing like the soothing stroke of self-esteem when it pours down our conscience. We just eat it up. We love it. It just makes us feel so good. You like me? You embrace me? Let me tell you what else I do. So you'll like me even more. Well, keep in mind, my friends, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, the love chapter. We hear it at every wedding. It says there in chapter 13, verse 1, that love does not seek itself. That's right. Love, agape, focuses on others. And here we're told in Galatians 5.13 to serve one another through love through love. On occasion, I read from William J.'s devotional, Morning and Evening. And the truth is, I read from it because my wife passes it along to me. And she says, Paul, you got to read this one. And not too long ago, she passed one along to me. And he just so happens to be touching on this very topic. And I want to repeat at least his four points. Four reasons why love for others is important in your service to God. Four reasons why it is so important that your service to God involves love, not just for God, but love for others. And they're rather simple, but they're all eye-openers. And here's the first one. Why should you be motivated by love to serve others? Here's number one. Because without love, your service is of no value whatsoever. Alarming, isn't it? If you only knew how much I do for others, but without love, your service to others is of no value whatsoever. It will certainly be valuable to the person you're serving. It will be valuable to the institution you're serving. However, it will not be valuable in the eyes of God. How do I know? Well, the Bible tells me so. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. It reads this way. 
If I give away all I have to somebody in need, right? But have not love, I gain nothing. So you see, my friends, there is an element of personal gain, of benefit for myself when I do serve others. And that's not the question, that's not the problem. The question here is, what is your motivation for serving other people? What compels you to serve others? Is it personal gain? Is it mere obedience? Is it mechanical? Or is it love for others? Sacrificially giving of yourself for the good of the other because the other needs the good from you out of love. God, my friends, looks at the heart, not just the action. So that the least of service to someone, someone who is in need, big or small, the least of service out of love is greater in the eyes of God than the greatest act of service done without love. Love. Without love, your service is of no value in the eyes of God. Here's number two. Love actually makes serving easier. Have you considered that? Love makes serving easier. You know, everything is easier when there is love. Dinner is easier to swallow when you love the dish. Listening is easy when you love the topic. Driving a long distance is easy when you love the destination. Well, serving others is easier when you love who you are serving. And of course, love begins with a love for God, but it overflows to the person you are looking to serve. Galatians 5.13 is actually a restatement of the two greatest commandments given to us. And I'm sure you recall what they are. They're recorded in Matthew chapter 22. What is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second greatest? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.13 is simply stating this. Love God, serve others out of love. Service is made easier when you love the person you're serving. Uh, Remember the story of Jacob and Rachel. It's recorded in the book of Genesis chapter 29. And, And you'll recall that Jacob served his father-in-law 14 years in order to be able to marry Rachel. How many of you men would have served your father-in-law 14? Everybody should be saying, every man in here should be saying, I would, if you want lunch this afternoon. (laughs) He served his father-in-law 14 years in order to be able to marry Rachel. And his love made it possible for him to endure. Our actions follow our hearts. We're told in chapter 29 of Genesis, verse 11, that when Jacob met Rachel, he kissed her and lifted up his voice and wept aloud. (laughs) He was just overwhelmed. Say, wow. She's going to be my wife. I was sitting around a table not too long ago, 
And um, at the end of a week of doing ministry, people are sharing pictures of your family. And so all the phones are going around the table at the restaurant. And finally, my phone makes it to the people right next to me. And the woman sitting next to me says, she married you? (laughs) What do you say to that? Well, I won't tell you what I said. But um, (laughs) she married you? And with that, she jumps because her husband elbowed her really hard. (laughs) Jacob lifted up his voice and wept out loud. In fact, if you look at chapter 29, verse 20, it says there that the first seven years seemed like a matter of days, quote, because of the love he had for her. You see, love makes serving easier. Here's number three. Love will refine your service to others. Love for others will actually refine your service. With love, your service to others will actually excel. It will become more pure. It will improve. It's going to stand out, not for your glory, but for the benefit of that person, for the glory of God, of course. It will surpass what it's been if you love Just as pride in your work makes you work harder and better, well, love for the person you serve will cause you to serve better. With love, you will see that your service to others becomes kinder, it will become more willing, it will become more natural, it will become more gracious, you will become more forgiving. If there's love. You're not going to be resentful and grumpy towards a person you love. It's that simple. Again, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 or 5, it reads this way. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. You see, love refines your ability to serve others. I think we have all encountered people who who are ungracious. uh, People who just have a very poor attitude. And it tends to just spoil everything. And here they are to help, but you really are not too sure you want them there. We've all been to that restaurant, haven't we? Where the waitress, the waiter, for whatever reason, just doesn't want to serve you. They've been there too long. Their feet hurt. They didn't get enough tips. Uh, who knows? They had an argument with, with, with the manager. Who knows? All you know is that when that person got to your table, that person did not want to tend to you. And that could just spoil the whole meal. I remember when I lived in Chicago, there was a restaurant called Ed DeBevix. And it was a um, themed with, uh, with, with pop things from the 1950s. So you had all kinds of uh, uh, pictures, albums, the colors, all the things from the 50s. But they also had a gimmick I, I wasn't aware of. And the gimmick was is that they would be extremely rude. Extremely rude. Right? And so we get there, and the waiter is extremely rude. I didn't even notice. I thought I was back in New Jersey. <laughs> and everybody's chuckling. I'm not thinking it's funny. I'm not even really noticing. So finally, the waiter got really rude, and that's when the New Jersey started coming out of me. 
And I said, are you talking to me? <laughs> and that's when somebody explained, hey, this is just their gimmick. Don't get all upset. This is just what they do. You see, my friends, love refines our service to others. It's nearly impossible without love to be kind, to be patient, to be humble. Love refines our service to others. Uh, Not only that, but keep in mind that if you love the person you're serving, that person you're giving of yourself to will less likely be insulted. If you love that person, you're not just going to throw a coin at them. How insulting. No, you are going to come alongside of that person and gently serve because you love. It refines your service. And here's one last reason why love is important when you serve other people. Love will compel you to do even more. Love will compel you to do even more for that person. Love will actually excite you about serving others. Otherwise, it's just going to be a duty. But if you love the person you're serving, you will be propelled to serve more. You'll think, oh, this is not enough. (laughs) What more can I do? That's because love is always generous. Love is not stingy. Love is not conditional. That's agape. Uh, William J. writes that love cannot have much and not want to help. To the person who loves, the suffering of others will actually shock you into action. Your eyes are going to actually affect your heart. And you will begin to give beyond what you thought was possible. Why? Because you love. The person who loves will not grow weary in doing good. And so Paul writes... Serve one another through love. Make it a point to owe no person anything but this, love to that person. You will notice that if I fulfill my part of loving those I serve, and you fulfill your part of loving who you serve, there's going to be a reciprocated, a mutual loving service to each other, and everyone is going to be satisfied. First Timothy 1.5, and I'll close with this. It reads this way, 1 Timothy 1.5. Here's the Christian's aim, to quote, love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That should be our goal. Love that emanates from one, a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Love one another with that sort of love. What should you do with all this this week? I would say very simply, but very importantly, begin with this. Pray. Pray to God. Say, God, help me to have that sort of love. Don't say, Lord, show me where I need to serve more. No, that's important, but don't start there. 
Start with this. Lord, help me to have that sort of love by which I will sacrifice for you and for others. I'll set aside myself. Give me that kind of love so that I can serve properly, so that I can serve truly. Without love, your service is of no value to God. Love will make serving easier. Love will refine your service to others. And love will compel you to do even more. Serve one another through love. Let me pray. My Lord, our Lord and Savior, we thank you for the love and the example you have given to us in loving us so much that you would serve us so greatly. And thank you, Lord, that you first loved us, that we would now be able to love you. But we do pray, O oh God, that because of your deep love on our behalf, we would learn to love one another and therefore serve, not just dutifully, not just obediently, certainly never mechanically, but, Lord, that we would serve out of love. And may our service to you and one another abound. In your name we pray. Amen.